Welcome back to Sports Headlines. If you guys are new to the channel, well, to the podcast, because this will be a podcast exclusive, so I'm coming out with that on the bat. But um, but yeah. Anyway, if you guys are new to the to the channel, uh, make sure you guys like, well, subscribe here on the podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Um, so yeah, we have a special guest for you guys today. We have Derek. Kern, did I pronounce that right? Rin. Rin. Okay, I'm sorry. My apologies on that. You're good. <laughs> we have uh, we have Derek here with us today, Sixers writer for Fan Sided and covers the NBA for Hoops Habit. So thank you for joining us today, Derek. No problem, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, appreciate it. Have appreciate it. But uh, so let's get right into it here. So really, um, let's just go ahead and start. Um. The NBA bubble is working. We've asked this question to all our special guests so far. How confident are you that the bubble is going to continue to work and that we're going to crown a champion this year? Uh, well, I mean, the report just came out uh, from uh, Shans Karania, the athletic, that um, since uh, June 20th, I believe, there haven't been any, there hasn't been any, uh, any new positive cases. So that's definitely a great sign compared to all the other leagues and what they're currently going through with uh, uh, postponing games and everything. So I think the NBA is really looking great with uh, their strategy and how they went about uh, really executing this plan. So I think uh, overall, I think as of now, you, you got to just assume they're going to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... And by finish, you mean crown the Lakers champion, right? That's what you mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I was saying this the other day. I, I really think, I mean, as of now, I mean, just going off a few scrimmages, but uh, if we're looking back to four months ago, I think you, you, you kind of have to really put the focal point on someone coming out of L.A. taking the crown this year. I, I don't know. I mean, I just think both teams have – the overall talent to get it done and each of them have their stars. I, I mean, I think since last off season, I think that was been, that's been the direction it's been going in. Yeah. Um, Warner, your thoughts really quickly and then we can, yeah. You know, I'd say that I, I like the bubble. I like what they did. And I'm kind of just jealous that the MLB didn't do a bubble. Um, you know, seeing the Marlins and their whole fiasco on cases um, rising, I think it's up to 18 now. But um, yeah, the NBA is doing a really good job on this bubble, and um, I think we're I think we're going to see a champion. And you know, if one person ruins it for everybody else, you know, that's uh, I guess that's just how it goes. Um, and you just got to hope that everybody keeps their cool for these months and um, stays happy inside the bubble, and the uh, NBA can give them enough. I guess entertainment, besides just basketball, um, to keep them all to keep them all uh, happy. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm say. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. Like I've been saying, um, I think we will crown a champion this year, and I think the NBA has done a fantastic job at managing the bubble. And yeah, I, I think you're spot on there, Warner. I think you're 100 percent accurate. Um, so let's talk about the Sixers right quick. So out of all of our special guests, nobody, not one person, has even considered 
the Sixers as a not. I don't want to say consistent. They haven't picked the Sixers as the team that can knock off the uh, the Bucks. Why do you think that is? And do you think it's a reasonable chance they can knock off the Bucks? Um. I mean, I think that's what they were built for. That's just me personally. Like last last off season, I think that's what uh, that's what they were looking towards. I think basically just uh, I think they just first saw uh, an Eastern Conference Finals matchup against them. And I mean, if you're going head to head, I think the Sixers are the are probably the most viable candidate to to knock them off. Uh, even even in these uh, even in these Orlando games, I think. Uh, just head to head, you have Simmons who can uh, guard Middleton, whoever like Chris Middleton, whoever they have on the floor at the time. Uh, Al Horford can come off the bench and uh, take care of the of Giannis there a little bit, and then Embiid has done a great job on Giannis this year and, and the times they've faced off. So I don't know. I think personally, lineup wise, I think I would probably give Sixers a bit of an edge. But I mean, they also have to they have to get there too because I mean they, the Miami Heat are no slouch. Uh, they could also wind up playing the Boston Celtics in the first round, or the Indiana Pacers. I mean, there's a lot of things uh, that have to play out for them to even see that matchup against the Bucks. So we'll, we'll just we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Warner. Yeah, I like your point on um, you know they were kind of built to beat the Bucks. My only th- my whole only hesitation is how they've played so far, and just them not you know reaching their 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 fullest potential at least in my eyes. Whether it's Joel Embiid taking off games on the road, um, in order like maybe in an effort to load manage himself, maybe he just doesn't know how to play away from uh, Philadelphia. You know Ben Simmons' lack of a three point jump shot, although that seems like it's changing, at least in the scrimmages. Um, although, although we did see him attempt a few three pointers in preseason action, and then I don't, I don't ever recall him making a three pointer during the regular season. Or um, he, I think he shot two or three maybe. But um, as far as you know, that's just because he shoots three in a regular season does not mean he's a viable shooter, and does not mean you have to cover him when he's on the arc. Which you know, when we did our film breakdown, Sean on what was supposed to be uh, Ben Simmons, but ended up kind of being the whole Sixers, you know, offensive um, offensive game plan, I guess, uh, if you would call it that, just seems to be, you know, just it seems to be off, whether it's, you know, Ben Simmons being in the paint and B being up high or, or both of them being in the paint, clogging up the, the, the lane. And, and it's just – it's it's something that I think they need to work through. And um, – if they can work through that, I, I can see them definitely challenging the um, the Bucks in in a seven game series. Yeah, and Warner brought up our film breakdown to reiterate, like to talk about that. Ben Simmons' liability to shoot a jump shot beyond seven feet. Why, really? Like the Sixers started off that game seven in Toronto so poorly last year um, because. If you recall, Joel Embiid's first three jump, uh, shots were it was a, a catch and shoot three, a drive, fall away, contested, off balance sort of shot. Yeah. And then the last one was a pull up three. Those were his first three shots of the game for Joel Embiid in a game seven. 
So, so yeah, so talk about that. But, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that they were – you don't just let go of Jimmy Butler, let go of J.J. Redick, and swap them with Josh Richardson and – is his name Josh Richardson? I feel like something else. Um, and uh, Al Horford, unless you're trying to defensively scheme for the Bucks, Because offensively, that, that's terrible. Like, having a – that's easy pickings for the defense. Richardson can't create by himself. I don't trust Harris. Horford, really. And Embiid, I mean, do you want him shooting jumpers all night? And Ben Simmons can't shoot. So that, that's – so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Their offseason mindset was, hey, let's prepare to defensively, defensively try to stop the, the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think you're absolutely right there. All right. Um, yeah. I definitely agree with both of you there. I mean, uh, they, uh, well, Jimmy Butler leaving and J.J. Redick leaving, that really left a hole in the offense because, I mean, people forget how great Redick was off the screens. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, uh, they parted ways with Landry Shamit last year for, for Tobias Harris. And, uh, I mean, they really haven't had that guy. I mean, Firkin Korkmaz, he's, kind of played that role a little bit this year. Um, maybe Glenn Robinson too. Maybe Glenn Robinson the third too is when he when he came over from the Warriors and I mean but outside of that they haven't really had somebody coming off the screens and that's how they've been affected the last effective the last two years. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about Ben Simmons development, the good and the bad. What have you seen positive and negative from Ben Simmons in terms of development? Um, it, just in the NBA restart or in general, like throughout his career, career. Um, I mean, obviously the elephant in the room, the, the three point shot, I mean, some, some question the form, some just question is, uh, commitment to, um, uh, and to just wanting to, to better the shot and to take shots. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think he does everything else well. Like, like he, he's an exceptional passer. Uh, he's really – I think one of the biggest questions out of him coming out of LSU was um, how he was going to be as uh, a defender and can he defend on the perimeter against smaller, quicker guards. And I think he's, he's basically handled that uh, the best way he could have. And he's – He's obviously a candidate for one of the all-defensive teams, if not the first team. Um, so I think that's been probably the most impressive thing he's done since coming to the league. Um, obviously, the athleticism and physicality, that, that always is eye-popping. And um, But I, I think mostly he's got to really come up big in, in the late stages of a game. I think that's one of the biggest knocks on him. I think that's why people – uh, scrutinize him and why they have since he's come into the league as a number one pick. But I think to be uh, receiving the money that he's been, he's been given, like from the Sixers since that extension, I think that a lot comes with that. Uh, a lot comes with that salary. You have to play that, that star role. And I think he's, he's got to just be more clutch in the end. Yeah. Warner, 
Yeah, um, you know, I, I found some concerning things from Ben Simmons' development. You know, you said with the three-point shot, that, that I think really just is, is a mental roadblock for him. I think his form isn't bad. Uh, it's not perfect. It's not Clay Thompson. Worse. Look at Zion. Yeah, it's, it's not Clay Thompson form, but um, it's it's not it's not some of the worst forms ever. Um, and you know, it I think it's just it's a mental roadblock. He I don't think he completely believes in himself, or if he's saying he believes in himself, I don't think he's a hundred percent. And um, I I think he might be afraid of you know backlash if he airballs a three, or you know might just go into a little shell. But um, just just. Looking at, at at his numbers for the three seasons he's played, in his first year he averaged about 16 points. In his second and third year, he's averaging just about 17 points. Um, rebounds and assists have stayed around eight for his whole career. You know, dipped you know a little bit above, a little bit below eight, but he, he's basically a 16, eight and eight guy. And you know that's great in your rookie year, and that's a good that's a good stat line. But that's not somebody you want to give the max contract to a guy who scores 16, eight and eight. Yeah, and 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 here's 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 basically what I'm saying is, if he can develop that three point shot, or if he can, you know, step up his um his scoring abilities and get to a 24 eight and eight guy, he's he's an All NBA candidate. He's a he's a max contract kind of guy, but um as of right now, I I just haven't seen the development there from. Yeah, I'm probably very I'm weird with how I feel about Ben Simmons because I think. The treatment he gets, while it's sort of fair, it's not fair because people look at Giannis and just rape him. And when I look at Giannis and I watch Ben Simmons, I'm like, is there really a big of a difference between the two? I think the biggest difference is the coaching that they've had. Look at what Giannis, he's that Jason Kidd who knows how to develop players as an overall coach. Kidd is not a good coach, which is why he's not a head coach right now. And and so that's why we've seen constant development from Giannis since he's came in. Jason Kidd is the reason why Giannis is such a, don't want to say elite passer, but why he's such a good passer right now. Because Jason Kidd was the one that experimented with experimented with him playing the one, right? So a lot of Giannis's development goes to Jason Kidd and the system he's had around him. Whereas in Ben Simmons, and I've said this a lot, and Warner can back me up on this in terms of what I've said. The, the same player Ben Simmons was in his first year playing is practically the exact same player he is now because, he, I mean, he, what what has he improved upon? Defensively, yeah, maybe he's a little bit better, but, I mean, when you're his size and you're already a pretty good defender, you're going to naturally improve, right? So, um, and that's why I've said Brett Brown should get fired. It's not because I'm, I'm, I hate the guy or I'm asking him to get fired. But Warner, to use a football analogy here that I always make, Jeff Fisher, he could have saved his job in 2017, I believe, 2016, when they drafted Jared Goff. Pretty much they said, hey, you develop Jared Goff, our number one overall pick quarterback. You keep your job, right? Mm -hmm. He did not develop him. He got fired, and now Jared Goff is decent at best. Jared Jared Goff looked like one of the worst – number one overall picks of all time uh, under Jeff Fisher. And then yeah. he goes and gets, you know, a giant extension because of how he looked with Sean McVay. So I think you, you have, you're, you're onto something with your coach point that uh, does play a large role, but ultimately it's up to the player. And um, he may not be put in the right situation, 
but he's still got to, you know, find a way to thrive and succeed and get better. And um, if he feels like he's not in the right situation, there's always free agency. Yeah, and uh, and he's also he, – he, he said that he, before the bubble, went to a sport psychologist, worked on his shot. And, I mean, back to my Giannis-Ben Simmons comparison, Ben Simmons develops a jump shot? Oh, my gosh. They're the same exact player. Literally, ben, except, actually, Ben's a better passer, right? Ben, I'd rather have Ben be my perimeter defender out of the two, right? Um, I mean, what else? What, Ben Simmons with a jump shot? Okay, then offensively, ben, I'd rather have Ben close the game out. Or I'm not, I'm not going to say Ben will be the better player. But in terms of talent, oh, my gosh, Ben Simmons and Giannis are the exact same player, the exact same player. So, yeah, I think the slander that Ben gets is unfair in some cases. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, another point I want to bring up, like, he, you really look at all the Sixers and all that, like, they've been injury riddled for about four or five years straight now. I mean, it always seems like, whether it's Embiid or uh, another player they have, it always seems like they're missing uh, valuable time during the season. And um, Simmons, I mean, other with the exception of this year, he hasn't, he's been playing nearly every regular season and playoff game. Uh, since he's since his rookie season, I mean, I think that he's not really going to be somebody who's plagued with injuries for most of his career, and I think that's where his value kind of stays. Because uh, you look at and I mean, obviously the trade talks between like if if they had the option of dealing away Simmons or Embiid, I mean, I think that's something that definitely plays a factor. Because Embiid is he's missed considerable time in his career already and he's he's not getting any younger. Yeah. All right. So last couple of topics for you. Um well well first off, what do you think before we get into the last couple ones, what do you think is Ben Simmons ceiling? So if as long as he develops a jump shot, what do you think his ceiling is? Well, I mean, I love the point that you brought up with uh, the comparison of him and Giannis because look how great Giannis is right now. He's basically on the verge of his second straight MVP. <clears throat> and he's since 2018 and 19, he's uh, – I see the numbers. He's improved his three-point attempts from 2.8 to 4.8 in just one season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Bud- like Mike Budenoser, he has he's had a – uh, a huge role in really where Giannis is at as a player currently. And because he was always great with how the Atlanta Hawks were shooting when, when he was coaching them. And he, he really got, he nearly made Jeff Teague an all-star. Uh, he, yeah. he had, he made Horford have one of his best seasons of his career. I, I mean, I really think he, he really knows how to use his talent the right way. And I know I think he he really has a, a a genius part of his brain where he knows how how to really maximize his players' talent from top to bottom. Yeah, and that's really what you want from a from a head coach. I mean, somebody who can use the players he's gifted he's he's gifted with, um, and and use them to the best of their potential, and then it ultimately falls on the GM to get better players. So. Um, yeah, the the Bucks are in really an ideal situation with with their their coach and their star, and I think that's what the Sixers 
want to get into and whether it's the star that needs to change or the coach that needs to change or the star that needs to develop um, remains to be seen. Although it looks like um, just from just so far from, uh, from their time together, I think it needs to be the coach. Yeah. So last few, Um, Derek, who would you, would you say besides like the Bucks, Lakers and Clippers in the West and in the East, who do you think could make a run and possibly come out of the respective conferences? Well, I mean, the great thing that I've, I've seen from this restart is like every team's had an opportunity to get their players back to, to full health. And we've rarely seen that this year. Um, I mean, I, I really think in the West, it's it like compared to most years, it's it's not as uh, competitive as it once was. I think it's it's kind of flip flopped a little. There's there's a lot of Eastern Conference teams that I like this year that could make a run. I mean, especially after what we saw last year in the the Raptors. I mean, no one really gave them much of a chance. It was it was all kind of uh, focused on what the Bucks were going to do and just because they had they had Giannis, they had all the talent. Uh, people thought the Boston Celtics may have won the Eastern Conference, and they fell flat on their face last year. So I think there's 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 teams like the Miami Heat uh, who are a dangerous shooting team. I think they're number two in the league in three-point percentage right now. Yeah, they're, um, they're actually first. I think I saw that. And, yeah, I think they're first, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I knew they were they're somewhere up in the top. Yeah. Um and then you have the Celtics, obviously. I think the Celtics are better than they were last year, which is scary because I I, I never thought they'd be this good this year, but Kemba has been amazing. Uh Tatum has obviously improved again. Uh Jalen Brown looks good. I mean they're they're definitely dangerous. I mean yeah, I guess I mean it could be one of six teams out of the East that could really give the the Bucks trouble this year. I mean, I definitely like the Raptors, what I saw out of them and uh, their scrimmage yesterday against the Suns. Uh, I mean, they, they just play so well off each other. And it looks like Siakam has really gotten better since last year. And uh, they, they just seem like they have so many guys they can call upon at any time, just like last year, like Fred Van Vliet. And, uh, I mean, even their backup bigs like Chris Boucher. Uh, guys like that, and I, I think there's probably one of six teams in the East that could possibly make a run. And then in the West, I think it's, it kind of dies down to maybe one to four. I, I've seen good things out of the Houston Rockets, and they may, they may actually benefit well from with their small ball lineup playing in this restart. Because I mean, they, they're a team that can get hot in a hurry, and it's it's a different game now. So I think they're one and then maybe the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've been very impressive this year with Chris Paul. Yeah. Um I in the in the East, I think all the teams you mentioned, uh you can't go wrong with any of those teams. Um in the West, I'm gonna be straight up honest with you. I don't think I, I have major problems with every other team in the West. Uh I I, I don't think that like the Rockets, I don't think that'll be sustainable, especially because they just lost Eric, lost Eric Gordon. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how you'll be able to guard Kawhi and Paul George for a full series, or LeBron and AD for a full series. Uh, Denver, I don't think they're ready, or if they'll ever be ready. 
just something weird about that team. Um, and also, like, Warner, like I said, you need a superstar point guard or a superstar wing. Actually, off the top of my head, the last time a team, like, before the, the, the Mavericks in 2011, which was a fluke, the last time a team won a championship without a superstar guard or a superstar wing was Spurs in 2003 with Tim Duncan. Like, the earlier Spurs championships that took um, – Manu and Tony weren't superstars, even stars yet. So that's that. And then who else is there? You got Dallas, not ready yet, but anybody will. I think it could be Dallas. I'm, not, I'm worried about their defense. Um, Utah, no. Um, and then OKC, I just think there's a lack, a major lack of firepower when you go up against the Clippers and the Lakers. It won't be a, it won't be an easy one for those. But it's a major lack of. Uh, a firepower for, for them. And if the Blazers had better positioning, because for them to even make it out, they would have to go through this crazy eight-game schedule compared to what the Pelicans have. Um, and then they have to go through the Lakers. Then you look at, like, the Rockets. And then you're at the Clippers. So that that's crazy. If they're maybe, like, a three-seed, which, when healthy, they probably are that, then maybe. But, yeah, I, I think it's either – won the LA team. I don't think there's another team that can make a run. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's, as I alluded to earlier in the, in the podcast, I mean, I, I mean, I truly think, and I thought this since last off season, I think the, the title winner is going to come out of LA. I mean, it's going to be up to one of those teams, either the Lakers, or the Clippers. I just think they have too much firepower, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's a different, it's a different ball game now, playing in the bubble. I mean, a lot could a lot could change between now and October, so we'll we'll definitely see. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think for the West, I think there's only one team that could really challenge the Lakers, or the Clippers, and that that's the um, that's that's the uh, Houston Rockets. But then coming out of the uh, East, I think you could have. Any any number of teams. I think you could have the uh, the Heat. I think you could have the Celtics. I think you could have shoot. I think I think even the um, I just had a mind blank right there. Um, I, I think even the um, the uh, Raptors could make a run at it um, in in this in this kind of you know team v team play. That I think the landscape has just changed. Um, because of the bubble, you know, I think teams are going to be more, uh, they're going to be more ready and they're going to be just ready, ready to, uh, to go at it with other teams and take it more personally. So, you know, I, I think with, with all this going, uh, we're going to have an interesting playoffs. I think the Heat's going to be the most, um, the, the most, the East is going to be the most um, competitive division conference. Yeah, I'm gonna say buddy struggle on there. Like you know what people say. Um all right, let's start wrapping up here. Um last question, last major question rather. Do you think that there should be or will be an asterisk by this year's champion? Uh <laughs> that's I mean, it's it's tough. I mean it really is. Uh I mean I so much of me just wants to say no because uh, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, there just there has to be 
I don't know. I think people understand that, like the the situation. But I don't know. Me personally, I think you can't really you can't give an asterisk to, to somebody. Like if if teams are going out there playing as hard as they can, I know there's no fans. There's going to be virtual fans, whatever. Um, but I don't know. Me personally, I don't think there should be because I I think it's it's just like any other year only only without the fans and you're playing in a different location. But I mean, you, if if you've seen in these these scrimmages, I mean, uh, they've almost felt like real games already. It almost felt like uh, regular season atmosphere. Watching how hard these guys are going uh, every day, um, and I think that's only going to continue in these these next eight ramp up games and and leading into the playoffs. I mean, I I don't know. I I just think if if they're there to play hard and uh, I mean every year there's injuries and things like that. Obviously, no one uh, has never had the coronavirus. It's definitely unprecedented at this point, but I don't know. I just think there's there's too much that uh, this season was too good to simply put an asterisk on. And I think it's it's going to – we're going to start feeling the playoff atmosphere uh, a little bit more once we get more acclimated to watching these games without the crowds or virtual crowds, whatever we're going to see. Yeah. Uh, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. I think it's going to be um, – Warner, what happened to your mic? <laughs> there we go. Um, I think it's going to be interesting – to uh, you know, just be watching these games live on on um, on on TV because you know when when you see somebody pull up from three, hit a deep three, or maybe a buzzer beater shot, you would hear the roar of the crowd and the people standing up yeah. on the feet waving their shirts or waving you know the 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 noisemakers, um, and and we're just not going to see that this year. So um, I think that's <laughs> I think that's going to be going to be very unique and um, as far as the asterisks I don't think there really should be an asterisk unless a significant player like you know a LeBron or a Kawhi or or like coronavirus just runs through the Rockets or the Nuggets locker room I, I don't think there should be an asterisk unless it uh, significantly impacts the, the the winner of the finals wear your mask so we can have sports back live Jesus definitely wear your mask um all right so we're doing, since we're wrapping up, we got to do one more segment, which is a segment we debuted with our interview with Matt Brooks. Um, call for Look the Table, Warner's camera's on off, so I can't see him try to flip his table and fail miserably. Um, <laughs> so, so basically, Flip the Table is, uh, for our special guests, if you guys have any questions for us, NBA or sports-related or show-related, uh, it's your chance to ask. Uh, Warner, yeah, you failed. <laughs> Um, it, uh, do, oh, do I have a question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, I mean, uh, yeah, well, let me ask you this. Uh, since it's been the ongoing topic all year, um, uh, I mean, as someone who's not some, who's not Sixers biased kind of the way I get sometimes or how, uh, we do here in Philadelphia, but, uh, as someone who isn't, um, where do you see the the future going with the Embiid and Simmons dilemma? Do you think they're going to end up working together, or 
uh, is there eventually going to be a trade down the line or some sort of collapse? Um, I think that the way it's looking right now and like the development they've made, they'll, they'll be a trade. But like I've said the whole episode, if Ben Simmons develops a consistent jump shot, they'll work and they'll win the championship. So them working, I think, is solely built on what Ben Simmons can do and develop. Because like we said in our film session, you want Embiid on the block. Why is he shooting? Uh, I'm, I'm irritated. Warner, go. That, that just made me mad. Yeah, um, I, I think I think it can work out, but I don't think if it uh, I don't think it working out to its best potential will result in um, in them the by themselves as players reaching their maximum potential. Um, I think that you know for for each player to reach their their max potential, I think um, I don't think there's going to be a trade, but I think one of them will leave in free agency. Um, or, or else, you know, the Sixers won't be able to pay them because of a, a cap restraint or, or something like that. But um, I don't think they'll trade them. And I think that if Simmons can develop a consistent jump shot, shoot 35%, 33% uh, from three, uh, or even or even mid-range stuff too, um, if he can pull up from, from 15 to 18 feet out, that, that's going to help significantly. And then um, in, in terms of the championship window, I think as long as Joel Embiid can, I think once Joel Embiid focuses up and, and really turns into his determined, you know, LeBron James game six, 2012, Sean, I know you like to reference that a lot. Um, I, I think if he can get and in, tap into that, that phase that, you know, kind of anger while he plays, um, he's going to be a very successful player and, and they're going to win a championship, whether it's with Ben Simmons or with somebody else. Um, of 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 uh, significant talent. Yeah, definitely. I think right. it, it's it's all gonna it's all gonna come down to how uh, how they fare in in these new playoffs. I mean, I think a lot of things are riding on it. I think Brett Brown, his job is definitely on the line. I mean, I I think if he fails to reach the Eastern Conference Finals this year, I think he's got to go. But um, and then you got to wonder what the future is for Al Horford. If, they could eventually find it. I mean, his, but I mean, his his contract is always going to be hovering over everyone's heads. I mean, even if they want a veteran or something on a young team like uh, the Sacramento Kings or Phoenix Suns or etc. I mean, it, it, it's going to be tough to find somewhere to let them go. It's amazing because they've had probably in in the last decade they've had probably the biggest draft bust of all time in Marco Fold and they've probably given out the worst contract of all time to Al Horford in one decade. So it's I don't know. It's it's a little irking as a as a Sixers person, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um and really quickly before we go off the air, I do think Red Brown he's he's gonna have a job somewhere else. He won't be unemployed for long. Yeah. But um but, yeah, thank you, Derek, again for joining us today on Sports Talents. We greatly appreciate your time. I'll be looking out for the playoffs. Um, thank you, Warner, as always. And thank you for watching or listening because this is a podcast exclusive episode. Thank you for listening to Sports Online, the most authentic working place sports. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game, you guys.